Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Amanda has been there for a number of years, travels around uh, our nation, preaching to churches in our movement, and I'm sure beyond as well. And um, you may, uh, the, the great thing is the platform, I think, that God has given him to minister in the marketplace. You may know him uh, from the Kerry Ann Show, but here tonight with his beautiful wife, Selena. Could we please welcome Jamie Malcolm here this evening? What a great band! <laughs> it's going on a little bit too long. Hey, thank you so much, Ham, for the band, Brigley. Yeah. Lovely, well done. You guys are great. How are you, Pastor Julie? Have a seat, have a seat. Pastor Julie singing? How was your form? I, I didn't know you could sing. I was like, what's she doing up there? Get off! Get off! Somebody's trying to sing and then you do that. Does she do that often? Oh, <laughs> it was a yes. Do you do that every week? Oh. No. no. But um, oh, really? You are fantastic. Hey, um, thank you so much for having me. Let me. Can I grab a bottle of water? I've just. I've always. I've got a twenty-four-seven uh, croaky voice. I think it sounds cool, but nobody else does. Anyway, but um, hey, thanks so much for having me. First time in uh, Tugra. We took one wrong turn and I don't know, where did we end up? We just, we drove and all, I, I blame um, Pastor Phil's uh, directions. It was, uh, huh? can I say, he said when you turn right, he said the Westfield will be on your left, but it's on your right. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, you can have a look. It's on the email. You can check it. But um, hey, yeah, building is amazing. The building's amazing too, huh? We're, and it's on bikes. Uh, oh, Really? Oh, it will do. <laughs> so, no, it doesn't, Phil. It, there's a wall there. <laughs> These visionaries get carried away, don't they? It's like, oh, yes, it looks great, Phil. <laughs> but, um, no, good. Well, really, that, this is going to be the stage, and then boom, boom, out there. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. And uh, Good Friday as well. Um, I, I love it um, that Pastor Bill prefaced me getting up. It was almost like a disclaimer, wasn't it? <laughs> it was almost like a pre-apology for me. Thanks. Thanks for that, I think. Anyway, but yeah, thanks so much for um, having me. I love uh, Easter time um, when I first came to Oxford Falls, which was Brookvale back there, C3 Brookvale. Um, I did, uh, that was in 1994, I, I studied acting there. And uh, I was the only guy studying acting who had long hair, long hair and a beard. So I played Jesus for the first three years when I was there. Who's got a beard? You, you're on the cross. So um, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of, it was great though. It was fun. I, I it, it's actually really powerful. It's a really, I mean, as you can imagine, it's a really weird feeling playing uh, Jesus. A relatively big ask, um, because you're not quite sure what to expect. But I always remember this on the, um, uh, on the nights. On the Good Friday, you know, everyone would pray beforehand and, and, you, and you're just really hoping God's going to show up and touch people's lives and just to show them what God did and what Jesus did on the cross. And I always remember that on, on Good Friday, 
we'd be going through the play and I'm trying to remember lines and yada, 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 yada. And it got to the crucifixion part. And I always remember we had this big wooden cross and I had to lie down on this cross and we had these nails that went under and then back up like that. Not actually through my hand, good idea. And the nail on it, and these guys would pretend to whack it in. And as soon as they started hitting the nails, the presence of God, I just felt it so heavy on me like I'd never felt before because I was, I was a new Christian and I'm, being, I'm playing Jesus, you know. And I'm like, wow, I never felt that intensity of the presence of God. And then when we did it on the Sunday... When we did the crucifixion, nothing. No, I felt nothing at all. But the scene right at the end where there was a tomb, we had this old, like a full-on tomb built, and there was a big stone at the front with these massive, I don't know what lighting people, you know what I mean, by the really bright lights at the back. Yeah, we rolled the stone away, and then I stood up out of this tomb, and they blasted these lights on, so all you could see was my silhouette. And again, the presence of God would only hit right then. It was very, very clear what God was saying. Not on the cross anymore. That's finished. Alive now. And that, as a new Christian for me, was so powerful. And it stuck in my head for, for so long and it still does today. And, and you, how, how, many times, how many times did you sit in church before you got saved? Um, Phil was telling me. Three months. <laughs> that was great. I love that story. But anyway, pal, I actually remember doing something. I'm reminiscing. Bear with me. It's all right. I was reminiscing, and uh, I, there, there was a scene in that first Jesus play where there was a guy, uh, John Wadasha, was. He was playing Satan. This guy's playing Satan. I was playing Jesus. And we're having this battle in hell, and we had these sticks, and we worked out this scene, this whack, and we go whack, whack, and then we go right, and then we go two lefts, and we go another right, and then I go underneath, and he jumps. So we'd worked out this whole thing, and um, he's playing the devil character, so he's kind of angry, and we're whack, whack. And I forgot whether we'd done two or three that way. So I gave it another whack and I hit him on the hand. He was like, ah, it was like brilliant acting. So he became the angriest devil in the world. So, um, yeah, it was great. Enjoyed it a lot. But, um, yeah, I've been going to uh, C3 Oxford Falls for, uh, oh, ages, 17 years now, love. I always look at my wife because she keeps track of time. Well, I was brilliant at that. She knows exactly how long things take. And uh, I, I grew up in... Um, New Zealand, though. Christchurch, New Zealand. Anyone? No one. No one? Auckland. Yeah, kia ora, kia ora. That's all right. Yeah, nice. Good to see you got a bit of the accent still. That's the only Kiwi here. Oh, there's another one there. Oh, good. good. Oh, a couple. Good. We're up in Coomera Church the other week on the Gold Coast. You say, who's from New Zealand? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone in Queensland's from New Zealand. And well, one South African, wasn't there? And it was, oh, amazing. Um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. Kind of a um, kind of a Christian Christian upbringing, I guess you could say. I never thought I'd be involved in television. I always wanted to be. It was very daunting, actually, going into television. I'll, I'll just mention this first. I yeah, because you mentioned it. Like, I'm the sort of person who wears my heart on my sleeve a, a lot. Uh, being in television and being a Christian. See, I, I could never understand why you couldn't do both. Why couldn't I be a minister and be in television? Why not? Why not? And it used to drive me crazy when I'd get guys that had come and preach in church. And they wouldn't really preach. They'd just kind of tell their story. And they said, well, I used to be in television 20 years ago. I used to be in sports 50 years ago. And it's like, dude, I don't remember you. And, um, and it's like, why can't the guys who are doing stuff now also be ministering now, but powerfully, you know, really be have the anointing of God on them, 
be amazing people and be successful in whatever they do. Because I believe more than anything, that's God's plan for your life. To be totally full of the Holy Ghost, live a powerful life and be very successful at whatever you do. I thought I'd just say that. It became a bit difficult too when I said I was going to TV and, and people were like, well, Christian television? And I said, no, normal television. <laughs> and they were like, they're like, oh. Honestly, some people got so upset. It was crazy. And, and I said, well, what do you do for a job? And they're like a hairdresser. Is it a Christian hairdressing shop? And they're like, oh. Well, you baptize people instead of washing their hair, you know. I don't, I don't know. Wash it while they're in the water. You know, people get weird. And they're like, what about all the Satanists and the drugs? I haven't met any yet and haven't taken any yet. So, you know, it's funny. People just got this impression that television is evil or something. It's like, that's ridiculous. I've got some of the best friends in the world who work in television. And they say, well, what about when you have to work with, you know, people that are astrologers and people that are into witchcraft and all that? They're really nice people. What? Surely not. They're great. I love them. I've got some great friends. They've got some really alternate lifestyles. Do you know what I do? I love them. I love them to bits. I love them, I love them, I love them, I love them. I love them more than I love my Christian friends. I encourage them more than I encourage my Christian friends. I'm offensive how nice I am to them. It's offensive. It is. I love it. It's great. Don't you love it, babe? I love introducing them to other people. And I like seeing other people squirm. Oh, I should practice witchcraft. And they go, oh, they're not sure if the devil's going to jump on them. They freak out and say, you'll be all right. You've got God. They've got little devil, all right? You should be safe. People get weird. People get so weird, don't they? It's so crazy. Do you know, it actually, um, I, I got taught a good lesson when I first came to, I'll start in a minute. But I, I'm just, I, got, I got taught a really good lesson when I first came to Australia. I just, just got saved. And um, they said, look, we need you to do a sort of a ministry job. And I said, well, I'll do um, uh, CCTV, JTV. It's a television show that Pastor Phil does. And um, Pastor Phil Pringle does. And, um, and they said, we need counselors on the phone when people ring up if they feel like they're being touched or want to know more about God. And uh, so I said, I'd do that. First day, I remember this lady rings up. And I'm like, no, nothing about anything. And I'm like, hi, and la da da. And she said, um, she said, so you're trying to tell me that you think God loves me? And I said, ah, uh, He does. You know, checking the Bible. Yep, yes, He does. <laughs> and um, she said, well, I don't need God's love because the universe loves me. And I said, oh, I was kind of stumped. I said, but, but God loves you. And and she said, well, I don't need God's love. Because I know the universe loves me and that's all the, or that's all the love I need. And then I, I, it's the first time I'd really felt like God had kind of spoken to me. And I felt like to ask her again, does she really feel loved and does she really love herself? And I said, do you, do you really feel like you love yourself? She goes, yes, I love myself. I'm loved by the universe and I love myself. So I don't need the love of God. And I felt sad again. I said, do you really love yourself? And she says, yes. She's indignant. Yes, I love myself and I'm loved by the universe. I don't need the love of God. And I felt to ask her again. I asked her like six times. Do you feel, do you really love yourself? And she was mad. She was mad. She said, yes, I love myself. I don't need the love of God. And then she stopped and she went silent. And I sat there just waiting. And then she said this. She said, I hate myself so much. I can't even look in the mirror. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> I'm not sure what to do, so I gave it to someone else. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, it, for me, it was God digging into someone's heart. Bit further, bit further, bit further, bit further, bit further. We're like that. We, we cover stuff over with junk so God can't get to it because it hurts. I know I've got stuff. Still do, you know. Stuff that hurts when God puts his finger on it. Sometimes we need to dig hard to get that stuff. Give people a chance. Love opens incredible doors, huh? Forgiveness, not judging people when they feel like they should be judged. I had a guy at work, one of the directors, went out, got this girl pregnant, uh, went out to a pub, one night stand, got this girl pregnant. And we were good friends. And he would not tell me. He would not tell me for ages, ages. Everybody else knew but me. And I eventually said, hey, man, I heard um, you might be having a baby. (laughs) And uh, he felt so bad about it, so guilty about it. He wouldn't talk to me about it. So I went out the next day and I bought him like a hundred bucks worth of kids' clothes and brought him into work. said, congratulations, mate. And something happened. Something happened. He was like, didn't quite know how to handle it. And he, um, he stayed with the girl and he married her and they had a little boy called Jamie. Accidental? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, anyway. But it's amazing. Love opens incredible doors, you know. Love people, love people. All right, let me tell you a bit of my story. Um, so, grew up in Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, kind of a Christian home. Uh, my mum became a Christian when I was about five. And uh, then we all had to start going to church. It tends to work that way. Mum gets saved, we have to go to church. I wasn't particularly excited about it. We went to a... Um, my mum chose the most boring church she could find in Christchurch. Um, I don't know how she managed to do that, but she did. And it was a, um, it just an old, old church. I don't know what denomination, but very, 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 very old. And, um, and, and, and the, the, the minister was in his mid-hundreds and um, wore robes and, and so forth. And, you know, you're like six years old sitting in the back going, Ah, oh, come on. You know, it's agony, and you're just wriggling and wriggling and wriggling. you got ants in your pants, you know. And, uh, but I always remember at the end of the service, terribly boring, songs boring, message boring. But right at the end of the service, he would always, he would always say, okay, who needs to be prayed for? Old guy, mid-hundreds, robe on. Who needs to be prayed for? And, um, and I always used to think, wow, that's interesting. And he had this healing thing going on. I didn't know much about it. He would invite people up the front. And he'd pray for people, and people would, for real, get healed. Now, I remember him asking me up the front once. He said, Jamie, Jamie, do you want to see a guy's leg grow? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like six, and I'm like, show me, show me, show me. And he prays this guy, and this guy's leg goes, mm, like that. And I'm like, oh, surely his hip moved, or, you know, you're trying to figure it out. But I don't know. I, I couldn't figure it out, you know, then. And, you know, still I go, wow, how does that work? But... One thing I grew up doing was that God did stuff. He did stuff. God was real and he did stuff. Slightly boring, but he was real and he did stuff. So that's what I figured out very early. Then we went to a Pentecostal church when I was about seven. That was worse. Just a lot of this, a lot of this going on. Just weird dancing. What is that? I mean, I always, I always wanted to ask them, I mean, when you went out with friends and you were standing there, you know, having a chat, having a drink, and, and a song came on, you're like, did you actually dance like that in a pub? No, you wouldn't. So don't do it here. I, I, you know, I wanted to say it. It's just weird. Stop it. Nobody dances like that. 
Anyway, yeah, that was kind of odd. I didn't really have my real uh, an, an experience with God until I was around about 10, 11 years old. We went to a, um, a big meeting, kind of a Youth for Christ rally, if you've ever heard of them. I'm not sure if it was that, but something like that. In the Christchurch Town Hall, big hall, like Christchurch Town Hall, you know how big New Zealand is, it would have held 30 people. So it's, you know, massive. And so, um, no, it's full. There would have been probably a thousand people there. So full guy preaching, he's pumped, he's vibrant, he's energetic, great message. And then at the end, he says, look, if, if you want God in your life, uh, put up your hand and then come out the front and we'll pray for you. And I'm like 10 years old. I'm, that's me. That's me for sure. And my brother's like, you've already done it, you idiot. And brothers don't care if you go to hell, do they? You've already done it. <laughs> Big brothers are the worst. And I'm like, shush, I'm going to, it just felt right. To me, I was like, that's right. That feels right. Put up my hand, said, come out the front. So I went up front with a bunch of other people and uh, I said a prayer and he said, now turn around behind you. There's, a, there's some people and they're going to go with you back behind the stage. They're going to give you a Bible and tell you about following Jesus. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I went back behind the stage. And then I always say that something really awful happened and it, and it, it kind of did. I, um, I met some Christians. It's not that they weren't nice. On the contrary, they were lovely. They're just, it's really dorky, these particular guys, really nerdy. And I was really like, oh, oh God, you know, I love what's happened here tonight. And, and I, you know, I believe this is right, God, but if I follow you and I end up like these guys, <laughs> I don't know if this relationship's going to last. I know none of you have ever thought that, ever, all right? But I was, you know, 10 years old, you know, so mature. I don't want to be like him. It's the polar neck. It's just, I don't want to be. <laughs> They're like, come on, follow Jesus. And uh, so, yeah, I really struggled with that. I remember it was, it was like, um, it was like, you know, a couple of months later, they did a follow-up call. And, you know, do you want to come to a party? And I was like, wow, party is going to be amazing. going to be so much fun. And I remember getting there, it was like three people and just like, Two dudes playing guitar in the middle of a lounge on a floor and was just chatting to someone else. And uh, there was a couple of girls there and they weren't genetically blessed. And it was just a real, it was just, oh no. That's what I thought back then. I was 10. And so it was, it was a tough time. So I blame them for making me backslide for the next 14 years. I blame them. You've got to blame someone, don't you? You've got to blame someone. There you go. When you get to heaven, it was, it was that dorky guy. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 14 years. Do you know, it was weird, honestly, for, for the next 14 years. I mean, I, um, I didn't go to church. I had a Bible. I would flick it open now and again, and I would always read the same part. I think it's because when you flick the Bible open all the time, you know, you get to the same page. It was a psalm about clanging cymbals and harps. Didn't mean anything. But when I read it, for me, it felt like I had some sort of connection to God. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't living right, but when I did this... I still felt like I had some sort of shoestring connection to God, and it made me feel a little bit better. Uh, I didn't pray, uh, only when I got into my teens, and I was, I'd drunk too much and I was vomiting. Oh, God, I never drink again. Stop the room spilling. Oh, God. Then the next morning, woo, back into it. But, um, so, yeah, non-existent, non-existent walking with God. But a weird place to be. Somebody once said, you got too much of God in you to enjoy the world and too much of the world in you to enjoy God. And I thought that was kind of where I was. I was sort of like this. But if somebody mentioned something about Jesus, I was like, don't you say that. And they'd say, why? I'm not sure. <laughs> don't you say that. You know, it wasn't until, uh, I, and I wore a cross. I got a cross when I was 21. 
When I just turned 21 for my 21st birthday, I got a cross. It was more to do with the fact I was into Guns N' Roses than I was a Christian. But So um, anyway, so um, uh, when I was uh, 21, I went backpacking around the world, traveled for about three and a half years. And I remember I was on the Greek island of Eos. Anyone heard of Eos? Greek island, don't admit to it. Oh, it's a party place, that place. <laughs> I remember you. <laughs> so, uh, so um, I do. <laughs> so um, it was Greek island. Eos, you know the Greek islands, like whitewashed walls, beautiful penchons and, and you know, Aegean Sea, bluey green color, gorgeous golden beaches. And um, up the top part of the hill is where, every, it was where the little township is. That's where everybody goes out to, at night the nightclubs, and then the beaches down the other side. That's where everyone hangs out during the day. So we've been hanging out during the day, and then we're, we're standing outside this, this club. Sun's starting to go down. Everyone's tanned up. You're feeling good. You know, you had a shower. You got a bit of sunburn, white shirt, so you look browner than you are. And, um, and there was about 12 of us sort of gathered around, and we're chatting, guys and girls. And uh, I was smoking a joint, and I had, a, as, you, as I did, I was going to say, as you do, as I did, um, I had a bottle of Ouzo, um, because I only like a dollar, a uh, bottle of Ouzo and a bottle of Red Cena, that Greek red wine. <laughs> I'm still getting flashbacks. Huh? And I have that bottle of Ouzo, red wine joint. And um, talking to these guys, laughing, carrying on, talking about the day and yada, 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 yada. And one of these guys laughing, he goes, hey, what, Jamie, what, why do you wear a cross? <laughs> and it went like this. I went, I'm Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. Powerful, powerful testimony. <laughs> and this, <laughs> and this, um, this guy says, this guy says to me, well, you, you, you're, you're a weird Christian. He said, because I, I don't think you can be a Christian and do all that. And I was like, I was so offended. <laughs> I rebuke you. I was honestly, I was so offended at this guy. And, uh, but do you know what? It actually had a major, major, major effect on me, what he said. Uh, unfortunately, it had a negative effect because what he said was, you can't be a Christian and do that. But what I heard was, God doesn't want anything to do with you. You know, you have those times when somebody will say something, but you hear something else. The devil's pretty quick to jump on things. Can I just say, as a slight digression, if you do have anybody that comes up to you and says you can't be a Christian and do that, do you know what? I want you to say sorry, but I'm just going to keep on showing up in the house of God. I don't care what you've done. Keep showing up. Because this is the only hope you've got. Keep showing up. I don't care how guilty you feel. Keep, keep, keep showing up. Show up guilty. Promise me you'll show up guilty. Just promise me you will. So, Jamie, you don't know what I did last night. Show up. Well, I'm thinking about doing it again tomorrow. Show up. I did it this morning. Show up. I'm doing it now. Show. Show up. <laughs> Honestly, just show up. Do you know how, I mean, just to digress even more, you change by God getting on the inside of you and changing you. There's no other way. The devil wants you to do crazy stuff so he can throw guilt at you and keep you away. That's the only reason he wants you to do crazy stuff, so he can keep you away. Because he knows if you keep showing up, God will get in and things will change. Show up guilty. Anyway, that didn't have the effect. That had a negative effect on me. I remember going back to my room and I, um, I got down on my knees, took this cross off, shoved it in the bottom of my backpack. 
ah, it's an emotional thing to talk about because it was, for me, it was severing the last ties I had with God. The last, that last shoestring I had. And I did it on purpose. I did. I just, I did it on purpose. And I know I did. I consciously severed the last ties I had with him. I knew he was so disappointed. Ah. For the next um, three and a half years, I traveled overseas, backpacking around, working and traveling, went all over the place. Weird time. Weird, weird, weird time. Was, did I act more crazy? No. Did I have an element of sadness in my life? Yeah. I think it was sadness is a great way to describe it. It was empty. It was sad. Empty's not right. Sad's better. And uh, I remember being in France and going sitting in this little old church, little sandstone church, would have held 50 people max. Middle of nowhere. I've been picking grapes in France. And I went and I sat in the back of this church, sat there, and then just looked around. Sat there for about half an hour. No one came in. Nobody left. Sat there, looked around. I wasn't even sure why I was there. And then just left. It's very, it's very hard to pursue a God who you don't think wants you. That's what it felt like to me. Um, at the end of my time traveling around overseas, I went back to Christchurch, New Zealand, and I caught up with my brother. Now, my brother is the white sheep of the family. You know how you have the black sheep of the family? He was the white sheep of the family. So while I was traveling around overseas chasing girls and smoking and drinking, my brother had just paid off his house, done two years of Bible college, and was about to embark on a long-term missions trip. You know, he just, he just hate family members like that. They make you look bad, and they do it on purpose. That's the only reason they go to Bible college, to make you look bad. I'm sure of it. This is my brother who rang me like a year and a half ago from Honduras, rang me on a satellite phone, middle of nowhere. Ooh, good on you, mate. I was, yeah, I was in, um, I was in Chatswood in Sydney in a, a shopping for T-shirts. He wrote me, he said, what are you up to? I said, I'm shopping for T-shirts. I said, what are you doing? He said, we're organizing cataract operations for orphans. It's like, oh, <laughs> click, whatever, mate. Yeah, I'm sure he wasn't. He's probably sitting on a beach somewhere in South America, probably in Rio. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he's so blooming perfect. Anyway. I got up with my, just have to dig at him all the time. Um, um, I, I hooked up with him when I got back to New Zealand, Christchurch, and he said, have you been to see Joan yet? Uh, my mom died. I mean, she went just after she became a Christian. She actually got sick. She died. Died when I was young. And this lady, Joan, became like the spiritual grandmother of our family. Uh, interesting lady, Joan. <laughs> she was about 85 years old. Uh, when I got back to New Zealand, 85 years old, very bony, bony. This is the international symbol of boniness. But she's bony. She didn't do this, but it helps. Very, very bony. I remember she was so bony. And she was and she was blind. She wasn't totally blind. She was blind in her left eye. And the left eye, it's a bad picture. Her left eye was milky. You know, milky white. I don't know what that means, but, you know, the blind has got milky white. And the other eye was almost blind. So she wore these big bifocals. So she's bony, 85. Um, she's got one white eye, and the other eye's just massive with these big bifocals. <laughs> she had a hump. No, she didn't. She could have. She could have, and a claw. But um, anyway, anyway, and, she, um, and she, was, uh, she would pray all day. That's what she did. Terrible social skills, because she hardly ever left the house. So she would sometimes sound really angry, and then really quiet, and then laugh for no apparent reason. <laughs> 
just terrible socialist kids, a bit crazy. But she would pray all day. And she had lists of, of people that she would pray for. And uh, my brother said, you've got to go see Joan. You know she's been praying for you every day for the past four years. And I was thinking, well, she should have been praying harder. But, um, you know, she's been praying for you every day for the last four years. Now, I had a problem with this because as far as I was concerned, Joan, who I'd known since I was about five years old, was the holiest person I knew on planet Earth. She, as far as I was concerned, was God's representative on the planet. And if anybody knew what God wanted to say to me, it was old 85-year-old bony one-eyed Joan. And I was not even slightly interested in going to see her because I knew exactly what God wanted to say to me. I knew he wanted to tell me that I'd stuffed up again and again and again because I had. I knew he wanted to tell me he was disappointed in me because he would have been. I knew he wanted to tell me that I let down my mum, which I did. I hate saying that. And I knew he wanted to tell me that I messed up my future. I don't know what plan I was up to, A, B, C, D. I think I'd gone through the alphabet a few times with plans. But I knew I'd messed it up. So I didn't really want to go and hear that. Not for one second. But my brother went on and on and on about it, as he sometimes does. And I eventually did. I remember going to her house. It was a little one-bedroom house on the outskirts of, of Christchurch. And I was so scared. Isn't it funny? Young 25-year-old guy, terrified of this bony 85-year-old woman. Terrified. Because I knew what she's going to say. Remember knocking on the door. Come in! Just yell stuff out. I remember it so clearly. I remember walking through the door. And she's just standing there, middle of the lounge. And she points a finger at me. It's a hard one to say. She points a finger at me. And I thought, here it comes. And she says, you'll preach the gospel and you'll speak into people's lives. And I was like... And then she's like, come in, come in. And I'm like, what? Didn't expect to hear it. I love it. He's never what you expect, God, huh? Even when you think he's real good. He's never what you expect. Even better. I go, and she said, sit down, sit down, sit down. So I sat down in this old tapestry chair that people get when they get to 80. I think by the government gives them tapestry chairs. I don't know why that is. And a blanket to put over the, I don't even need a blanket. But um, she sat down in this tapestry chair and she went over to this bookshelf and she had a, in the bookshelf, she had pictures of all her kids. She had about three or four kids. She grabbed a picture of her son who's, who's grown up. And she comes over and she puts this picture of her son, who still hadn't talked, on my knee. And she, she grabs my hand and puts my hand on top of this picture. And she says, pray for my son. She says, pray for him because he doesn't know the Lord. And I was like, oh, Joan. I remember just saw my arms right and going, Joan, I've got to stop you. I said, you don't know what I've done. And she said this. She said it loud and almost angry. But I know she didn't mean it. She was just a bit crazy. She said, I don't care what you've done. And I know she said it, but it sounded like God said it. I don't know how, and I don't know why. And it felt like 24 years of just garbage just went. Amazing. So what I expected to hear was, you keep messing up. I'm disappointed in you. You let your mum down and your future's in the toilet turned into, I don't care what you've done. 
you've got an incredible future. It's like, what? Not what I expected to hear from God. A couple of weeks later, I went with a couple of mates of mine. Actually, there was about a dozen of us. They gave me a call. This is around Christmas time now. And they said, hey, um, we want to go up to, uh, to Hunanui Beach. Uh, Nelson, top of the South Island. Anyone heard of it? Kiwi people? Nelson, lovely place, lovely. Thank you. Um, just make sure I'm not lying. Nelson to Hunanui Beach, on the beach, beautiful campsite. Held probably oh, a lot of people. 1,500 people was massive. And um, we went up there and we were going out partying and drinking. I'd had an experience, but hadn't worked at all that yet. Partying and drinking, having fun. It had been about five days of going out solid to the pub. And, um, and my mates were like, hey, we're going to go out again tonight. And it got to about five o'clock and I said, guys, I actually feel like I'm still hungover. So I can't go out again. I just feel sick. You guys go out without me and I'm just going to hang around here on my own. So, you know, all 12 and late, they took off. And I'm just hanging around on my own. So I started to walk around this campsite. And as I did, I heard this music playing. So I followed the music, didn't have much else to do. And I found a grass amphitheater. Anyone know what I mean by that? You know, grass, you know, banked area. Sat down, there's probably about three or 400 people listening to a band. And they were playing middle of the road music, sort of crowded house style. I sat down, or walked my way through all these people, three or 400 people. Sat down next to these guys, bunch of Kiwi guys, Steinlager t-shirts, Adidas, black and white trackies, you know, traditional New Zealand gear. Like, yo, hey, you follow us? And they're like, hey, man, how are you? I was like, oh, Ben's right. And they're like, yeah, choice. So I sit down with these guys. I can still do it, just. And I sit down with these guys. And the band's playing. They play about three or four songs. And then they stop. And I'm chatting to these guys, yada, yada. Oh, the band's good. What are you guys doing? They stop. And then the lead singer comes up the microphone, puts his guitar down. And he said, look, I'd just like to say that we're from such and such a church just up the road. And I'm like, oh. Turn these guys like, oh. It's typical Christians. They bring you in with the music, hit you with something else. You know how it is. And, uh, and he said, you know, I'd just like to say that we're from such and such a church down the road and we'd like to take a break in the music for a second because we'd like to perform a skit for you. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a Christian skit, especially in the early 90s. They were created by the devil to keep people away from God. I know some of you are thinking, I've seen a good one. No, you haven't. You've been polite. <laughs> Maybe. I've seen some shockers. Anyway, rather than tell you about it, I'll perform it for you really quickly. Is that all right? Um, it only takes about 10 seconds, so don't leave. So there's about 10 of them. They put all their instruments down, and they all hold hands around in a circle. About 10 of them holding hands around in a circle. I'm watching this going, oh, my gosh, this is agony. This, this guy, These guys are going, oh, so bad. And then there's a guy in the middle of the circle, while they're holding hands around him, doing this. Oh, I can't get out. Can't. Trying, trying, just pushing, pushing, stuck, circle, why, why, you know, overacting to the max. And everyone's just watching going, oh, this is so bad, oh, God, this is atrocious. And then, to make it worse, from the side of the stage, this guy walks on with a cardboard cutout key with Jesus on it. Walks in, so I'm going, no, these guys are going, oh, mate. Gets his cardboard cutout key, and he jams it in the side of this human daisy chain, turns it, they unlock arms, and the guy in the middle, oh, can't, oh, runs over and hugs the guy holding the Jesus key. And I'm bawling my eyes out. I don't know. I've got no idea what happened, but something 
something happened in between oh this is the worst skit I've ever seen in my life to this guy connecting with this Jesus character and I go what a load of and I didn't it wasn't a build up cry it wasn't one of those oh that's beautiful oh oh it went from honestly it went from what a load of these guys are just looking at me obviously and I'm going and I say I've got to go and they're just looking and I'm just walking past people I just had to get away I couldn't stop it it was it was coming from so it was like coming from under my feet it was so deep you know I was just like <laughs> trying to get past people and feel like Are you okay and I'm like it's a skip they're like yeah I know it's bad and I'm like <laughs> it was ridiculous how deeply I was crying haven't cried that deep since not sure if I ever want to again <laughs> but I had to walk because there was people everywhere for like 500 meters to find a spot where there's no one to do. <laughs> I'd like Gollum. <laughs> I eventually got down to the beach and I made this really incredible prayer to God to, to rededicate my life. I went like <laughs> That was it. That's all that happens. <laughs> Yeah, really heavy, deep, yeah. I did a lot. <laughs> I love telling that story because, you know, I thought about it the other day and I was thinking, I couldn't get to him. You know, I couldn't get there. And I'd, I'd gone to church a couple of times and I'd flicked open Bibles and I'd talked to Christian people and I couldn't get to him. But he got to me. Yeah. Never give up on your kids if you're praying for them, huh? What a powerful thing. I can't believe he found his way to me. He doesn't stop. Got a friend called Fergus and he, he says that the Holy Ghost is the hound of heaven. Once someone prays here, he's released. And he keeps coming. And he keeps coming. But he's beautiful and he's awesome. About um, <laughs> within three weeks, I was in Sydney, enrolled in Bible college. I can't tell you love it when God goes wham, you're like, what am I even doing here in Sydney? You know, I'm getting off a plane going, what? Yeah, I came to do um, C3 Bible College when we were in Oxford Falls. I got back, yeah. I got back in, Ula. I got um, into my brother's car like a couple of weeks after this had happened. He had a CD in his car. It was called Now, worship album called Now. I said, this actually sounds all right for Christians. He said, yeah, it's a church in Sydney. And I said, I think I might go. And he goes, yeah, do it. So I did. And uh, SEA, 94, Bible College, 95. I got the top of Bible College. I always rub it in because my wife did it with me. And uh, I did. It was top, wasn't it? Was it the top? I think it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a blessing. Yeah. It's humility. It's a gift of humility I've got. But uh, it was um amazing time. I could not believe what was in the Bible. I could not believe what was in it. And I was annoyed that I never knew. I thought it was just some rules and then a couple of stories about whales and rainbows. It was honestly, I was like, what? I was getting into all these 
this stuff. And it's like, man, this is just my life. It was just talking to me. I devoured it two to three hours a day. This hippie, I had long hair, earrings, and goatee. You know, I, three weeks ago, I was smoking over in Thailand, and now I'm reading the Bible. Like, I couldn't get enough. The, the, the transformation was so fast and so powerful. And I knew if I needed more, I just went back to the Bible. I got more, more and more and more. It was amazing, amazing, amazing time. And uh, after I finished doing Bible college, I, uh, I uh, started working television. Oh, I'm running out of time. I'll tell one quick story, really quick. Is that all right? Tell one last. And I, um, I remember after I'd done this, done Bible college, I was like, oh, God, what? I've got to get a job now. <laughs> I hate that. Thought I'd just live off God. Not quite sure how that was going to work. I was like, I've got to get a job. And I had it in my heart that I wanted to do TV. So this is just, a, I'm throwing it out there for people that have got dreams. Had it in my heart. And I was crazy enough to tell them. And then after I told them, I went for a job doing something else. When I grew up in New Zealand, I was a lead lighter. made stained glass windows. Did it for five years. And so I thought, what am I going to do for a job? Well, I'll do that. And so I found a Yellow Pages, found, looked up, uh, lead lighting. I'll ring this studio up. They were in Brookvale near church. Must be God. And um, isn't it funny? You make God say anything. Rang him up. Hi, I'm, I've done lead lighting before. Do you want me to start there? And he was like, well, <laughs> you know, presumption. He said, come in, we'll have a chat. Went and had a chat on the Friday. Said, I want you to start on the Monday. And I was like, okay. But deep down, I was going, oh, God. God. Ah. I didn't know how the whole guidance of God thing worked or, or that God could actually put a dream in your heart so big that it drove you crazy. I didn't think he walked like, he worked like that. I thought he just led you nicely. Go this way. Go that way. No, he doesn't. He puts this booming cannonball in your guts and goes, deal with that. And you're like, I can't do anything else but go for this. Ruins your life. <laughs> but it makes your life at the same time. And I remember I, Monday morning, showed up for this job as a, as a lead lighter, knocked on the door. It was a two-story studio. Uh, stained glass windows on the front door, funnily enough. He's up in his office, knocked on the door, and saw him start to come down. But as I knocked on the door, knocked on the door, I get it right down here. You don't want this. I was like, oh, that is so late. <laughs> it's like, oh, mate, you've had all weekend. All weekend. And as I'm knocking on the door, I get this, uh-uh. And it was just like that, uh-uh. And I knew it was God, but I knew it was me too. It was like, we don't want this, do we, God? And God's going, I don't want it. Do you want it? I don't want it. And I'm not going, so I've got a choice. So I've already knocked. So this guy's walking down the stairs, and he's walking towards the front door to open it. And I'm looking at him, I think, okay. I can either tell him that, look, I, I, um, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, just be a man about it. Or I can lie about it and just say, look, I've got another job. So he got there, he opened the door. And I didn't either. I went like this. <laughs> I ran away. Ran away like a little girl. Got in my car and I cried. <laughs> I remember the feeling just, it was more like this. It was more like, it was more like a really fast walk. And I could hear him going, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> you know, you get to some of those crossroads in your life. Got to make a big decision. It was a big decision. It was the right decision. Six months later, I was working in Foxtel. And I've been in television 15 years. 
Worked at Foxtel for six years. I've been in Channel 9 nine years. And I uh, left Channel 9 now. Just signed up with an agent in LA. So it looks like we're going to pop over there. And So, yeah. Big doors swing on small hinges, huh? Little decisions. But there's a great saying that says, 10 seconds of insane courage can change your life forever. Insane courage. Just like, yeah, that's right. Do what's right. My pastor, um, Phil Pringle, says, do what's right, let the chips fall where they may. I love that. What, what about, what about, what about? Do what's right, man. It's right. I love that. I'll finish on this. Um, after I'd started work in television, I went back to New Zealand. Didn't go back to New Zealand for a while. I went back to New Zealand to see my family, but um, hard to talk about this. I have another drink of water. But one of the main reasons I went back was to see Joan, just to tell her what had happened. My dad picked me up at the airport and I said, Dad, I want to go see Joan tomorrow. And he said, Mate, she died. I shat it. Don't know if you've ever had someone in your life who's died before you got to thank him. And I thought about it. I thought, what would I say? You know, what, what would I have said to her anyway? And it's hard for me to say this, but I would have thanked her for backing me when I was unbackable. I was unbackable. You would have looked at my life and gone, there is not, a, not an ounce of proof that you're going to have a successful life. There's not an ounce of proof that God even wants you. There's not an ounce of proof that God wants to do something with your life. Not an ounce. Yet she backed me when I was unbackable. When I deserved to hear that he was disappointed in me, I stuffed up my life, let down my mum, wrecked my future. When I deserved to hear that, she stood and said, you've got a gift. God's going to use it amazingly. And he doesn't care what you've done. My God. Let me pray for you tonight. I, um, I love Joan. I love Joan. I love Joan. Actually, let's all close our eyes and we'll, we'll just pray quickly and we'll finish up. Um, amazing character that she would back me when I was unbackable. Man, let me just say here, Tonight, I know some of you come to this church, some of you don't. I never, never like finishing without giving people a chance to have God in their life. Oh my gosh, what a day to do it. What a day to do it. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross, it was like in my mind, he, he threw God's arms open. You know, Jesus took the sins of the world on the cross. Really, that's everyone else's, no yours. Can I tell you this? And it might freak you out. There is nothing in between you and God. Nothing. In God's eyes, nothing. Nothing. Man, in my eyes, when I went to see Joan, there was a million things in between me and God. All the stuff I'd done. You know, the times that I didn't stand up for God when I knew it was right. The times that I just... I knew I should have prayed. I knew I should have done this. I knew I should have done that. When I purposely broke the ties between me and him. Man, there was a million things in between me and him. What I thought were. 
But I'm going to tell you here tonight, <laughs> just like an 85-year-old bony one-eyed Joan told me, that he doesn't care what you've done. He does not care what you've done. There is nothing, there is nothing between you and him right now in his eyes. He looks at you and he just sees you a step away. You say, Jamie, what? I've never known God. He sees you but a step away with nothing in between you. But Jamie, I used to know God and now I've done crazy stuff for the last million years. He sees none of it. That all went on Jesus. But Jamie, I'm not good enough. God's got nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Do you know Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you a good boy and a good girl? He did it to make you perfect. Being perfect has got nothing to do with being good. The blood of Jesus makes you perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And I know some of you are still thinking, but there's stuff in between me and God. You know, I'm not living right at the moment. Don't care. But I'm probably going to do stuff tonight that isn't right. Don't care. You mean I just come? Yes. You just come. As I am? Yes. Shouldn't I get myself cleaned up? No. Good luck. You need God's input. Some of you say, I'm not happy with the output in my life. If you're not happy with the output, change the input. You get God as the input. And I promise you, I promise you, the output will take care of itself. Get Him coming in to your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, if there, let me just pray for you quickly. If there's anyone here tonight and you're saying, oh, Jamie, man, I want God in my life. I didn't know. I thought there was loads of things in between me and him. I thought he hated me. I, I, I thought he was disappointed in me. He thought, I thought he thinking that I'd stuffed up. No, he doesn't. He does not care what you've done. You've got a great future in him. Incredible. If that's you here tonight and you're saying, Jamie, that's me. I don't know the Lord. Or, or I used to know him and now I've fallen away. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to do something really brave. Like I did of running away from a bad job. I want you to slip your hand up. That's all I want you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want God in your life tonight, slip your hand up and I'd love to pray with you. And we're just going to pray and invite God into your life. Thanks, guys. Just slip your hand up here tonight and say, that's me. Jamie, you're right. I need God in my life. I'm a million. Thanks, man. I'm a million miles away. Man, I need to get this right. I know he loves me. But I don't know if I can solve this junk. <laughs> That's his business. Thanks, man. If there's anyone else here tonight too, just slip up your hand. Won't embarrass you. We'll just pray for you quickly. Thanks, guys. Anyone else here tonight? Thank you so much. These lovely ladies here. These guys at the back. Anyone else here tonight? St. Jamie, I used to go to a religious church and I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know what the story is here, but I know I need him in my life like nothing else. I need God in my life. Don't miss this opportunity, guys. You might say, well, I'll just let it slide. Don't. The 
presence of God shows up to do amazing things. Thanks, guys. I see your hands. Anyone else at all? Slip your hand up and I'll pray for you. Guys over that side. Guys over this side. On your right, my left. Is anyone else saying, Jamie, that's me. I want to pray. I want to invite God into my life. I don't know how it's all going to work. I'm not perfect. Just do this and you let God sort it out. Thanks, man. I see your hand. You do this and you let God sort it out. Stop putting pressure on yourself. Thanks, man. I see you. Thank you. Say, man, I got to get this right. I don't know how to sort it out. Let, take this pressure off yourself and let God be God, right? Put yourself in his hands and let him do stuff. It's so important. You can't do this. I love it when people say, if you've got a broken watch, you take it to a watchmaker. If you've got a broken life, you take it to the life maker. If you've got a broken heart, you take it to the heart maker. He designed your heart perfectly. He knows how to put it back together. Guys, if there's anyone else down the back, we've had quite a few people raise their hand. So if there's anyone else at all, I just, I hate finishing it without giving you this chance. And slip up your hand and I'll pray for you quickly. I tell you what, God will meet you here tonight in a powerful, amazing way. Anyone else at all? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, God, so much. I think there might be a couple of other people, but I don't want to embarrass you or drag things out. But I tell you what I love to do. If you could look up here for a second, guys. Is this all right, Pastor Bill? If I, if I pray for people, is that right? You sure? Hey, guys, if we could do this, and I hope you don't mind, but I would love to do this. If we could all stand in one second, one second we'll stand. And if you raised your hand, I'd love you to do something incredibly courageous. Rip down the front real quick, because I'd love to just pray with you if that's all right. Hey, um, guys, if we could just pray this after me. and God's going to come into your life in an awesome way. I love to see kids here. I was 10 years old. How old are you, Ariel? Hey, even better. Oh, God, I knew exactly. Exactly. Guys, let's just, that's just the presence of God. It's beautiful. Guys, will you just pray this after me? I'll pray it first. You can pray it after me. Dear God in heaven, I ask Jesus into my life. I believe he died for me. And he rose from the dead for me. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my past. Thank you for my amazing future. And thank you that today I'm saved. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.